If you would like to, I would encourage you to open your Bibles this morning. We're going to be in several passages. The first is in Matthew chapter 1, but we're going to go from Matthew to Luke, back to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew 1.18 is where we'll begin, and as usual, there is a Bible app event for this message, so you can follow along that way if you would like to. So when I was in college, I worked as an electrician, and uh, I, I had a transformational experience, a transformational moment one day when I was working. I was replacing a fixture in an older house. I don't remember what it, whether it was a light switch or what it was. And first, I had gone to the breaker box, and I had thrown a breaker to turn off the electricity going to that fixture. And uh, then I went back, and I took off the faceplate. And I looked at the fixture inside the box, and I said, I wonder if that's really off. And so I walked back, and I checked it a second time. It was off, naturally. I turned it off. And I went back, and then I took the fixture out, being careful not to touch the wires. And when I got the fixture out, I got ready to disconnect the wires, and I thought, well, you know what I thought. I wonder if I really turned that off. And I went back, and I checked again. And yeah, of course it was off. I'd already checked once. So I came back, and when I came back to the fixture, there was my boss. His name was Buddy. And Buddy said to me, Steve, what are you doing? I said, replacing this fixture. He said, yeah, but what are you doing walking back and forth to the breaker box that way? I'm just making sure it's off. (laughs) But you turned it off, right? Yeah. Then it's off. Well, I wanted to be sure. Steve, you need to stop that. I said, what? You need to stop living with the uncertainty of second guessing. It will mess you up. (laughs) he probably didn't say it exactly that way, but that's how I remember it, and that's how it came through. And I had a lot of respect for Buddy. And so (laughs) I had so much respect for him that I took him at his word. And I never went back to check the breaker that I knew I had turned off or that I had turned off again. And I was never shocked. (laughs) I never double-checked again, and I was still safe. Buddy was right. Living with uncertainty will mess you up. Now, if you think of the Christmas story, there were a number of people who acted with an uncharacteristic certainty in uncertain times. And we're going to talk about what it was in them that enabled them to do that. What made that possible for them to act with such certainty? Let's talk about, actually, we'll talk about three examples, three people in the biblical Christmas story who acted with seeming certainty. And I want to start with Joseph. Mary's fiance, Joseph. We'll read about him in Matthew 1, 18 through 25. So follow along as I read. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But After he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Okay, how do you do that? I mean, think about Joseph for a moment and ask yourself, how do you, when you find out that your fiancé 
is expecting and you know you're not the one, how do you go ahead and marry her? What is it about Joseph himself that makes him certain that he can trust the word of the angel of the Lord in a dream? I don't know about you, but if I believed everything I dreamed, this world would be kind of a different place in my mind anyway, right? And yet, you know the story. Joseph comes through like a boss. I mean, he's a hero in this story because he acted with certainty in an uncertain situation. It's the same with the shepherds. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 18, and you're going to see what Luke has to say about the shepherds. And I want to just point out something you might have overlooked. Starting in verse 2, it says, I'm sorry, starting in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace on those, to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels left them, <laughs> and when the angels left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and her baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard were amazed by what the sheriffs, what the shepherds, (laughs) what the shepherds said to them. Now you may have heard, you may have read that shepherds were unclean and detestable, kind of a lower class of people. Maybe, maybe not. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus identified himself as the good shepherd. So whether they're unclean or not, you do know this. They weren't wealthy. They weren't powerful. They weren't influencers. They weren't scholars. They were people who were working the third shift on a job, protecting sheep from predators. Maybe they were happy there. I think some people would be very happy in that position. Maybe they wished that they'd study harder in school. But in any case, what would be the chances that when the Savior was born, God would actually send the angels to them to tell them about this birth. What are the chances? Slim to none, I would say. But that's exactly what God did. There are a couple acts of daring that I see the sheriffs, the sheriffs, that's twice, that I see the shepherds doing. There are a couple of acts of, there are a couple of acts of daring that I see the shepherds carrying out in this story. First, they left their flocks to whatever might become of them. The reason that they were there is because the flock would be in danger if they were not there. Predators would come and, and eat the sheep or, or thieves would come and steal the sheep. And it was daring to leave them unattended. They left their flocks and they went to Bethlehem. But maybe the more daring thing was that they hoped. They hoped that what they had just seen in the sky was really true. That God cared enough about them to tell them that there was a baby, Christ the Lord, the Messiah of the people born in Bethlehem. And they were invited to a front row view of mother and child together. And they made haste. They dared to hope. Like Joseph, the shepherds acted 
with a certainty in a very uncertain situation. Think for a moment about the magi, the wise men, as we like to call them, in chapter 2 of Matthew. And go back to chapter 2. I'll read from there. I'm going to read a dozen verses there just to get the, the story of the magi. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi came from the east to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, I want to say that it takes a significant amount of certainty to put together a caravan and travel across a desert with camels, riding horses probably, all the way to Bethlehem to see what might be a baby who might be the king of the Jews. They couldn't take a plane. They couldn't take a helicopter. They couldn't take a train. They couldn't take a Tesla. They couldn't take an F-250. They came by caravan. The Christmas cards have them riding on camels. More likely, they rode horses. Camels were more pack animals at that time in history. But they came hundreds of miles. And they came across a desert. That takes a fair degree of certainty to set out on that journey. Taking as your wife a woman who's carrying a child of someone else, or leaving your livelihood and hoping that God will care for them and that he has actually invited you to witness his newborn son, or traveling across a dusty desert chasing a star to find a king. Where do these people get this certainty? That's kind of my question. What gave these people such certainty? And I think it was something they found in their hearts. I would say that because of what Scripture says about them, it definitely was something they found in their hearts. First, I want to suggest to you that the certainty of Joseph came from the fact that he had a just heart. Did you catch that in Matthew 1.19? You may have missed it as I read the NIV. Let me read it from the ESV. It says this, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now I want to be honest with you. When I was studying for ministry, as I studied for ministry, I kind of picked up an incomplete perspective, an incomplete view of the justice of God. And that word just, justice. Because I saw justice as only applying to punishing someone for what they'd done wrong. That was justice. And if you had a choice between grace and mercy or justice, you would always want grace and mercy. But that was an inadequate view of the concept of justice. And it wasn't until I read 
Tim Keller's excellent book, Generous Justice, that I realized I really had it wrong. Because justice in Scripture is often the application of mercy and the application of grace, particularly for those who themselves have received grace and mercy. You know the parable, perhaps, of the unjust steward who had been forgiven a great debt and then wasn't going to forgive anybody else of smaller debt. And the wrath of the manager came down upon him and he said, that's not fair, that's not just. You received great mercy, how can you not be giving mercy and grace to the next person? You see, when Joseph chooses to go through with his marriage to Mary, he isn't following the letter of the law, but he is being a just man. He's being a man of mercy, a man of grace, a man of goodness, a man of love. He's been told, all he's been told that we know of, is that Mary is with child and she is probably cooperating with God. If that is the case, then would it be fair, would it be just for Joseph to say, well, this engagement's off. He felt it would be wrong to abandon her under the circumstances. And so he went through with his betrothal. It was Joseph's just heart that gave him the strength to ask to act with certainty in an uncertain time. A heart of justice can give power. The power to act with certainty in uncertain times. On the other hand, the certainty of the shepherd seems to be coming from their hopeful hearts. I mean, hope, like justice, is a powerful quality. Someone friended me on Facebook recently and asked me if I'd heard the news. Have you heard the news? And I said, what news? And they said, the government's giving out money. And I got a whole bunch of it. If you give me your banking information, Steve, I can sign you up for it. They were not trying to sign me up. They were trying to set me up. And I am way too skeptical and cynical to allow something like that to happen. I have to wonder if the shepherds suffered with some skepticism or some cynicism. You know, it's recorded that they smelled bad and they didn't have a lot of social life or a lot of social graces. And that can make you a little bit hard. It can make you a little cynical and skeptical. And yet they hoped. We read it in Luke 2. In verse 15 where it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened, which the Lord has told us about. They dared hope that lowly shepherds like themselves would be welcomed by the Messiah's family. And that hope propelled them to Bethlehem. A heart of hope can give you power. The power to act with certainty in uncertain times. You might say that certainty, the certainty of the Magi, came from their hungry hearts. You can think of Bruce Springsteen singing, Everybody has, everybody's got a hungry heart, but that's the wrong kind of hunger. The hunger that the Magi had was a hunger for God. And scholars conjecture that these men, who were likely from Babylon, had been influenced by the writings of a man centuries before, a Jewish man named Daniel, who lived there during the Babylonian captivity over 500 years earlier, a man from the east, Daniel. A significant portion of the biblical book of Daniel that you and I have today speaks of the future, both the coming of Christ and the return of Christ. 
And the thinking among scholars is that these wise men had some of Daniel's teaching at their disposal. And they had studied it. And putting that together with the appearance of the star in the sky, they set out to see the one who was born king of the Jews. Why? Because they had hungry hearts. Reading the prophet Daniel or any other biblical writer, it can do that to you. It can give you a hungry heart. And it can make you behave with certainty in uncertain times. The reality is that you and I do live in uncertain times. You feel it yourself. But I want to encourage you that you can actually live with certainty in these times. And I want to say to you, it is a matter of your heart. It's a matter of the heart. You can cultivate the kind of heart that you want, the kind of heart that God wants you to have. Romans 12.1 is a well-known Bible verse. Romans 12.2 is as well, where it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed, changed, renewed. The renewing of your mind means cultivating a healthy heart. And when you cultivate a healthy heart for God, you find yourself able to live with a lot of uncertainty. In fact, certainty can be yours if you will cultivate a just heart. If you will ask God to help you make fair choices, ask God to make you an honest person, ask God to give you a life of purity, ask God to make you the kind of person that pays your bills and your debts, ask him to help you to live with honor, ask him to help you be trustworthy, to be generous, to act with mercy, to be worthy of admiration, to have a humble spirit. These are the characteristics of a just heart. And people who live with that kind of just heart are seldom uncertain about, I don't know what the right thing to do is. They know the right thing to do. And they do it. They do that which is honorable. That which is just. This was the heart of Joseph, a just man. And a just heart can give you the ability to live with certainty in uncertain times. Second, cultivate a hopeful heart. A heart that's willing to hope for goodness. You know, if you spend too much time looking at the world, you will struggle to have hope. But when you look to God, you'll find hope. And hope is essential. We just read about it in men's group on Thursday night. You know, the men's group's meeting on Zoom on Thursday night. And while we miss the pizza and we miss being together, we love studying the Word of God. And one of the verses that came up that we spent some time in is Romans 5.5, where it says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who He has given to us. Listen, I want to give you a piece of certainty, a piece of truth this morning. When you give up hope in Christ, you are giving up every certainty your heart desires. Confidence or certainty follows and flows From choosing to hope in God's goodness, in His love, in His justice, in His patience, in His character, in His holiness, in His goodness, in His grace, in His mercy, and in His peace. And when you choose to hope in Him, uncertainty tends to evaporate. And if you are a Christ follower, 
If you are someone who has turned to God and said, I realize that I don't have my act together, that my life is marked by sin. Please, I believe Jesus died for those sins. Forgive me, I will follow you. If you are a Christ follower that way, then you have a heart of hope because God's love has poured out His hope into your heart through the Holy Spirit. And a heart of hope will let you live with certainty in an uncertain world. But maybe it all begins when you cultivate a hungry heart. When you choose to look to God to make Him the object of your desire, you find Him. He says it. We, we talk about this verse a lot. It's Jeremiah 29, 13, where God is speaking and God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So make God the hunger of your heart and the fog of uncertainty will begin to lift. Well, you probably never thought of it this way. Most of the hobbies that you have in your life were planted there by someone and cultivated by you. Or maybe they weren't cultivated by you. I play guitar. I believe it was probably my youth leader, Bill, who planted the desire in my heart to learn to play guitar. And I used to play a lot. I used to play regularly. But I kind of let it fade a little bit. And my hunger faded as well. Think of another hobby. I, I think of model railroading. It's fun. We have a train show here at church. It's a cool thing to do. But you and I both know there are addicts filled with train sets of people who liked the hobby for a while but didn't really cultivate it, and it kind of faded away. I even think of that in terms of sports. I wonder how suspending operations of professional and college sports will change our society's attraction to them. When you don't cultivate such things, the interest kind of wanes. And I want to say to you, it is that way with God. If you're not cultivating your hunger for Him, that hunger may fade. You know, evidently, evidently, the Magi had a keen interest in God. They stand alone as those who are recorded as having noticed the star and known what it meant. And they stand alone as those who actually did something about it. They acted with certainty in an uncertain time. And they went and found the one who was born king of the Jews. They cultivated a seed that Daniel had planted five centuries previously. What seed are you cultivating in your life? If you cultivate a hunger for God, and if you pursue Him, you will be able to live with confidence in that pursuit. So how about it? Do you struggle to find certainty in this uncertain time? When are things going to be back to normal? Uncertainty. Which news stories do I believe? Uncertainty. How do I know the truth about anything? Uncertainty. I feel like finding certainty in a lot of those areas is probably impossible. I feel like a lot of us just make our best guesses. But there are things you can be certain about, and as it would turn out, those are the most important things. (laughs) You can be certain that it is appropriate for you to be a just man or a just woman or a just boy or a just girl. You can be certain that it is appropriate for you to act with fairness. It's right to be like Joseph. 
And when you do the right thing, you find certainty in an uncertain world. And you can be certain that it is healthy to fill your life with hope. To hope like the shepherds must have hoped as they traveled to the stable. That is healthy for you. It is essential to your health. And hope in Christ when your gaze is on Him is hope that is never put to shame. And you can be certain that pursuing God like the Magi must have pursued Him and cultivating that hunger for Him, that is healthy as well. And when you're on that course, you find certainty in an uncertain world. I want to pray that you could do that. So if you would, please bow your heart with me in prayer. God, as we look at the Christmas story and we consider this candle of faith, and we consider how uncertain things are in our world, we are inspired by Joseph, by the Magi, by the shepherds. I pray that you would make us just men and women and boys and girls. And when I say just, I don't mean simply men and women. I mean fair, admirable, honest, men and women of integrity, men and women who do the right thing. Make us like that by the presence of your Spirit in us. I pray as well, Father, that you would make us a people of hope. When our eyes are on this world, (laughs) sometimes we feel completely drained of hope. May we cast our eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, so the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. We know hope in Christ never puts us to shame. And may we be individuals and a group of people who pursue you, who are hungry for you. Give us hungry hearts. And may we work and may we and may we make engagement with your word an essential part of our lives. And may we make worship, even though we can't be gathered in this building, may we not sit back and watch worship happening on a screen. May our hearts engage the Most High God as we worship you. And make us men and women who serve for your glory. May we not grow weary in doing good, but may we realize that because you are just, we will reap a harvest if we do not faint. Make us men and women who can be certain in uncertain times because of our devotion and trust because of our faith in you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.